0: Welcome to the Off Ramps podcast. I'm your host and co founder of the Off Ramp, Kristen. We know what it's like to feel helpless when faced with the magnitude of the world's problems. You want to do something about it, but don't know how or where to start. Well, that's why we're here. At the Off Ramp, our goal is twofold. First, to keep you informed about the ongoings in immigration, migration, and global affairs. And second, to connect you with opportunities to make a real difference in the lives of forcibly displaced people, both near and far. Practical and positive change is possible. Let's work together to make it happen. You guys, I am joined this evening by the lovely and brilliant Cynthia Alds, who is the director of the Coalition to Combat Human Trafficking in Texas, as well as my equally lovely and equally brilliant mother, Nell Green. Hey guys, how are you?
1: Good, how are you? Doing great, doing great. I'm good, I'm good. I really
0: wish my sushi would get delivered. I've been waiting for far too long. Uh, But other than that, I'm really excited to talk to you guys tonight even though it's on um, sort of a sad but important topic. So tonight we are going to talk about human trafficking, what it is, uh, the misconceptions about it, and then most importantly for our podcast, what people can do in their own lives to help prevent or stop human trafficking. Cynthia, as the director of the CCHT, can you tell me what you do, what your organization does, and maybe then to tie it with the off-ramp, how you've partnered with my mom and the off-ramp in um, in your work.
2: Absolutely. Um, We are an organization, we're based out of the Houston area, but we work throughout the state of Texas. We are a statewide uh, organization and we combat both labor and sex trafficking. And we're all about raising awareness. And it's an education because we want to prevent human trafficking in our state. We want to be proactive versus reactive. And we also assist with victim services by working in conjunction with other partners and organizations, including um, organizations like the off ramp. And it's, I mean, these, these partnerships are absolutely invaluable. None of us can even come close to doing it all but we can all come together and by coming together and working together, I, I think we can make a, a huge impact and it, 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 it truly takes um, a village to combat this horrific industry. Um, and to say we're grateful for the off-ramp and Nell Green and the work that, that y'all do um, alongside us is, is an understatement. Nell uh, is so invaluable it with some of the resources she has and connections and, and her, her experience and, and the um, individuals and organizations that she's worked with and knows to be able to put us in touch and help us all figure out how we can partnership and work in conjunction with each other to have a greater impact.
0: You know, I've realized in the past few years since working with mom that that might be her greatest talent is just connecting people and knowing who needs to know whom. Um, Exactly. Before we delve much further, though, I think there's a lot of misconception about or rather misunderstanding about human trafficking. Mom, let's start with you. And then Cynthia, if you want to fill in, how would you, how do you define human trafficking? If someone really just is hearing this for uh, term for the first time, how do you
1: explain it? What do you tell them that it is? It is when somebody by force, fraud, trickery, or coercion, threats, um, or um, other ways of persuasion is forced to do something against their will um, when another person will profit off of it and that is for labor or sex and I would say that if I were going to give any one huge misconception of, of human trafficking it's this picture um, that human trafficking is all about um, somebody who gets kidnapped um, maybe they're um, given a drug or um, or they're picked up off the street or something like that, and then they're forced into the sex industry, that is actually way less than 10% of the actual human trafficking that takes place. Um, I believe I read a statistic recently that said Crime Stoppers put that at about um, 9% of the actual human trafficking that's taking place. Another um, serious misconception about human trafficking um, is, and and this is partly due to media hype, um, it's that human trafficking is all about the young girls and children who are being sex trafficked. That is absolutely horrible, it is a key component Of human trafficking, but the majority of human trafficking that is happening is labor trafficking, where someone is forced to work um, against their will um, and not paid and not treated correctly. It's not labor exploitation. In labor exploitation, you're free to leave. In labor trafficking, you're not free to leave. Um, But that's the majority of the human trafficking that's taking place. And we're looking at Well, here in the state of Texas and the city of Houston, it's roughly 75% of the human trafficking that's taking place. And the statistic that I've quoted before from the Polaris Project is worldwide, they say that one in nine victims of human trafficking are sex trafficking victims. The rest are labor trafficking victims. So there's some grave misconceptions out there. And, you know, you're never going to find statistics that all always agree but across the board, these two grave misconceptions are out there. People think human trafficking is girls getting kidnapped and they think that it's all about the sex trafficking. And those are only two very small components of what is happening in the world of human trafficking today. Cynthia, I'll let you add to that in any way you might like. So Cynthia, can
0: you fill in the gaps? So if, you know, this the, what people think of as human trafficking is really just such a small um, but understandably significant portion of it. What is the rest? What does human trafficking look like more often than not?
2: Social media and the links with social media to children. And it is all about the technology today and the apps that are out there and the communication that is done with our phones and our computers and our, our, our pads and our, and our gaming devices. And um, there's an interesting quote that um, the FBI uses that, and it says that you are a thousand times, or your children are a thousand times more at risk of being groomed and trafficked, sitting at home on your couch with a phone or a, 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 a tablet, than they are anywhere else, and, and that's exactly what Nell was talking about. Is that there's so much misconception out there that trafficking is all about, you know, the creepy guy in the white van with the free candy or the free puppies or getting snatched off, the, you know, from a mall parking lot kind of thing. And that is not how the groomers. That is not how the traffickers are. are Obtaining their victims, they're doing it through social media. They're they're quote unquote becoming friends with people through social media. They're pretending to be somebody they're not. They're pretending to care when they don't, and they are establishing these relationships over time. And they're patient. They will take months, up to a year, you know a year or longer, to groom these individuals in order to lure them into trafficking situations. So it's it's a huge misconception like Nell was mentioning, and we have got to get people to understand that most of the trafficking is done through the use of social media.
1: Um, I think Cynthia used an important word that's used a lot among those of us who work in addressing human trafficking, um, but for your average parent would not be a word that, that they would use and that's grooming. Um, What they don't realize is that, you know, um, daughter brings home a new friend, they look a little iffy to you, but they seem, you know, okay and nice. Or, you know, maybe, you know, she's going out with friends and she mentions names, but you don't really know who they are. And these people might be around six months, a year, 18 months before the time is right and they have built the relationship to the point that then they can coerce or um, threaten um, the, the the boy or girl in into a trafficking situation. That's what grooming is. Doesn't just happen here in the United States. Um, there was a big case here in Houston. Um, a woman who ran a trafficking ring, Um, she sent people to Mexico to find girls and groom them for six months to a year in Mexico, and then trafficked them them here to the city of Houston. And another thing that I would would point out, and, and which one of the reasons I do feel like it's so important what CCHT does, when it comes to sex trafficking, most of the victims are um they are victims from the united states they're american citizens but when it comes to labor trafficking the predominant percentage it are foreign-born nationals now they they may have citizenship um, but most of them actually are undocumented um, so when it comes to labor trafficking we are seeing a direct link um, to people who do not have perhaps the security, um, the network, the, uh, the social support of what a citizen of the United States may have. And so they're more easily trapped and tricked into a labor trafficking situation. Uh, I have no idea for other states, but for the state of Texas, it's estimated that we have 330,000 victims of human trafficking. And of those 330,000, 234,000 are labor trafficking victims and 79,000 are children. So this points out to us who our most vulnerable populations are.
0: Cynthia, Mom mentioned this earlier, but I'm hoping you can clarify. Can can you explain to me the difference between labor trafficking, and labor exploitation? Because I think there's another misconception there as well.
2: With what You can exploit a person without meeting the criteria for being trafficked. And unfortunately, a lot of people are exploited in a lot of different ways. Somebody can agree to take a job that really they should be paid a whole lot more for, but they accept that job for less money maybe fifty dollars a day when really a fair wage would be two hundred dollars a day that person is being exploited but that person has chosen to accept that fifty dollars and they go home at the end of the day and i think Neil mentioned this earlier the big difference is that the with the trafficking they 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 can't escape the situation if they try and leave there's the um, the threat or the real harm. There is what we call the the debt servitude or debt bondage. I'm sorry, um, where they may pay you x amount, but then they may say, yeah, but we're driving you to and from the place of employment, and you owe us some ridiculous sou- or uh payment for this or we're allowing you to stay at this location you owe us for this and so the people cannot leave because of the debt bondage and so that's the big difference Uh, uh, people can be exploited but the trafficking is a whole different ball game
0: and what does trafficking look like in texas because ccht is uh, texas-based and um, but you are statewide, obviously, you have a border with Mexico. Mom mentioned that that factors into a lot of the trafficking that occurs within the state. Can you just give us a a picture, an overview of the trafficking industry, as you called it earlier in the state of Texas today?
2: It is basically hidden in plain sight and It is everywhere. It's in our our hotel industry. It's in our uh, agricultural industry. It's in our uh, restaurant industry. It's it's in the sex industry, of course. It's anywhere and everywhere. And that's where it's so critical that we bring about the awareness and the education so that people can understand the red flags, they can understand what to look for, they can understand what somebody who is being trafficked looks like. And that's, like Nell mentioned earlier, getting away from the Hollywood image of what a victim looks like and understanding that they look just like you and I. Because trafficking is taking place everywhere, every day, in every city. And so we have got to get that education out there so that people know what to look for and then know the National Human Trafficking Hotline number to call so that help can be um, received.
1: We would be remiss if we did not make sure everybody on this podcast hears the National Human Trafficking Hotline number. And that number is 888-3737-888. So again, that number is 888-3737-888.
0: Mom, and what should people look out for? What are those signs? If these people look like you and me, then how? And and it's hiding in plain sight. Then how do we know it's happening? And and what can we what can we look for?
1: So I think you're looking for a couple of different things, depending on if you're looking at uh, labor trafficking or sex trafficking, and also depending on the industry where you're at. The things that you might look for. Let's say you're a teacher, and you've got a high school student who has been a great student. Um, But all of a sudden, that student begins to drop off in their grades. Um, They tend to not be at school anymore. They have unexplained illnesses. Um, They seem more unkempt. They seem afraid. Um, And they don't... Um, keep the same friends and and you may try to get some explanations and you may try to talk but there's real avoidance Uh, you know as a teacher or counselor you just notice really different um, behaviors maybe you're in the medical industry and somebody shows up in your um, in your ER with unexplained illnesses um, and perhaps there's somebody close by that doesn't seem to want to let this person out of their sight. It's not a, not a husband, not a father, not somebody else, just somebody that seems to be there, maybe even answering for this person. And in most cases, if not all, there's gonna be an element of fear, a reluctance to answer questions, a reluctance to give details, a reluctance to explain how they're in the situation that, are, that they're in, but maybe, it, maybe you're a parent and all of a sudden um, your your son or daughter has had this group of friends for a really long time, and all of a sudden they 're not hanging out with those people and they 're hanging out with somebody else and they don 't always want to give you explanation as to who they 're with and what they 're doing and maybe their grades begin to drop maybe they 've been a great uh, band student, and all of a sudden, you know no, we don 't want to be a part of band anymore. Um, it, you just see changes in behavior that cause you gray, start dressing differently. That's also another real thing for, um, um, for parents to, to be watchful for. You just notice changes in behavior that you think, this is not my child. Um, when you're in public, for instance, one of the things I do when I go to a nail salon um, is I call myself a chatty Kathy. Um, for instance, I went uh, I went just a few days ago, and I know that nail salons is one place. That doesn't mean every nail salon you go into, everybody there's traffic. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that labor trafficking, nail salons, is one of the places where it happens. So I go in, and the first thing I will do is if I see somebody new, I will try to get that person to be the one who takes care of me. Oh, hey, who are you? Where are you from? How are you doing? How long have you lived here? What brought you here? If, if they are being trafficked, they are going to be very afraid to answer your questions. They're not going to be forthcoming. They're going to whisper or they're going to say they can't answer your questions. That's all cause for suspicion. But if they're, oh, well, I came from so-and-so and my parents live in such-and-such place and my children go to this school, well, the chances are they're, they're not under any kind of duress So, a lot of it is is really common sense. But there are other things that you can look for. For example, you see a massage parlor, but that massage parlor is completely blacked out. You don't see any way in, you don't see any way out. There's just an open sign. Maybe you see only men going into this massage parlor. Well, massages are for everybody, um, and it should be an open, pretty, Obvious type business. So these are the kinds of things you want to pay attention to, and you can do it every bit in your daily life. Also, I would say a word to youth. Um, youth get to see interactions between their friends and others that parents don't get to see, and they are often witnesses to changes in um, in their friends' behaviors and th- and their other acquaintances. Um, that can be real red flags. And it's hard for youth to, to speak up and to say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. And, and you know, it bothers me. It scares me. I'm concerned. Uh, but I really encourage them to do that. I've probably left out a lot of signs and things that Cynthia can fill in. But a lot of it for, for me at this point, after learning about it, just seems to be common sense.
0: Cynthia, I'd love for you to jump in and maybe share a story or two where you or someone you know have simply just started making conversation with someone and realized that the situation was off or something was wrong. I I feel like, especially in these instances, there is real power in storytelling. Can you just speak to a few of those instances?
2: I... I I guess I would probably, and now you can jump in here too, when we were canvassing post Harvey and going house to house and going business to business, and part of it is just that feel. It's that going in 10 different businesses and telling them about human trafficking and, can we, and, and inquiring as to if we can put up a sign with the National Human Trafficking Hotline number and going in and some places being more than happy to let you uh post the signage but then some of them really not wanting you to and and then talking to people and finding out that yeah this situation or that situation was taking place at different locations and then learning that well there was definitely trafficking going on in that situation And, and now I'm thinking in terms of the uh, hair salon where they had the girls coming in and then it dawned on the, the, uh, salon person that the girls were needing the all being, the man was bringing in multiple girls, all wanting them fixed up. It, exactly. And, yeah. And like I said, Nell, you may could tell that story better than I could, um,
1: Well, it was really unique. A a law had just come out um, not long before for Texas that um, beauty salons um, had to post the national human trafficking hotline um, in the salons. And, you know, at first thought you're like, why, why hair salons and not, you know, um, all of your hotels and all of your convenience stores, et cetera. Um, But the reason is just exactly what Cynthia just said. It's because you know, um, before um, girls are, are being bought and sold um, in the evening, very often they're taken to get hair and nails and those sorts of things done. And we were in an area of Houston that we knew to be at high risk for either trafficking victims to be found or victims of trafficking to be brought to that area. And we actually found several places where um, there was a very strong indication that Human trafficking was taking place, but we would go into these salons and it would be like, yep, we've got it. They would show us the hotline or they would say, yeah, absolutely put it up. But we went into a couple and this one in particular, um, they did not want us there. Do you remember that, Cynthia? I do. I remember very well. They were just like, uh, nope, you don't belong here. You need to get out. This is, And, you know, we thought, okay, but, you know, this is the law. You now are required to put this up, and um they they essentially were like, "Let's escort you out <laughs> it was It was very obvious that things were going on there, and again, the demeanor that I was speaking of, fear, looking around, being sure no one was listening, being sure that they couldn't get caught doing anything, and then trying to get us out as quickly as they could um It led us to know, okay, wait a minute, something's going on here." Um, that is not on the up and up. And then there was another, um, salon. Um, I'll just be honest. And I'll say that after we took a good look at it, Cynthia and I simply did not go into. (laughs) So what do
0: you do? You, you encounter a situation that makes you feel uncomfortable. You are pretty sure that something not okay is happening. You know, you guys are well informed. You have contacts. Mom, you've spoken before about uh, talking to the police locally. In a situation like that, should someone just call the hotline number that you gave or is there another course of action as well?
1: Nope. Call the hotline. That's what we do every single time. 888-3737-888. Call the hotline every time single time. There's a couple of reasons um, and I'll let Cynthia jump in on this too. There's a couple of reasons to call the hotline but one is it's not up to you to know what's the best course of action. How can we know that? You know we are just citizens who are keeping alert and you know we want to if we see something say something Um, but if you call the hotline they do know the correct course of action. They do know who to call. Should it be the FBI? Should it be the local police department? Should it be Homeland Security? They know these things and you don't have to know them.
2: And I think that's an important part big point because they will contact the proper authorities and they will contact the authorities that also have the training to know what next steps to take and how to go about it in a safe manner. We don't ever want to put anybody at any risk. We want the we want the public to be the eyes and the ears and to make the calls to the human trafficking hotline number. And I, I want to also throw in that you can also text to 233733, which spells out be free. So you can text or call. It's available 24-7, 365 days a year. It's a free call. If you wanna choose to be anonymous, you can, and it's available in over 200 languages. So that is absolutely what we say is the way to go and then let those who are trained and know what to do and the right groups go in to take the action.
1: And Cynthia brought up a good point as well. Um, The fact that it's anonymous is very important in certain areas of the country. there, there are people who are really afraid um, that their name would get out there, that they are the ones who made a phone call and informed authorities. But the National Human Trafficking Hotline can be anonymous. However, I'm also asked this question. If you want to give your name and number and there is reason to, they will follow up with you um, to see if you've seen anything else. Um, like there was one time I got a series of emails um, that alerted me to a trafficking situation in another part of the state. I called the National Human Trafficking Hotline. They followed up with me for a couple of three weeks until the email stopped to just be sure that, you know, nothing else had, had come about. So it, it's, it's an important hotline.
0: So let's shift a little bit and let's talk about the border. You both, to my knowledge, a visit the border from time to time if not regularly and it is not just because um i don't know it's uh immigration is a hot topic right now there is real work to be done there and few people understand what's happening and how it affects the human trafficking industry cynthia can you talk about the situation at the border right now and how your organization is um What your organization is doing down there?
2: Absolutely. There are, we all know that there are a lot of issues going on with immigration. And one thing we stay away from is is we do not make it a, a political issue. Our issue is with the individual, our issue is with every person matters, every person counts. It is never, ever okay for one human being to exploit another. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter their nationality. It doesn't matter their sexual preference. It doesn't matter legal or illegal status. None of that matters. We care about the person's dignity. And so in saying that, we wanna do everything we can to help an individual from becoming a victim of human trafficking. And so some of the work that we do down, down along the border is directed specifically at displaced individuals who basically are sitting ducks. They found themselves in a position where they're kind of in a limbo. They they can't really go back to their country of origin. They can't move forward yet until their case can be heard. And so they're kind of in this state of limbo where there really aren't any jobs, there's nothing to do. There's no way to provide for themselves or their families. And and, and basically they're they're just sitting ducks in limbo there that, that traffickers can just pounce on and can come in and make a job sound really good or a position sound good or doing something sound really good. And before they know it, they're following those individuals and they find themselves in a trafficking situation. And so we are doing a number of different things along the border to reach these people and prevent it before it happens. One of the things we do are pack these gallon uh, snack bags. And in them, they have water bottles, Vienna sausage, uh, granola bars, crackers, uh, those type things. But we also include a card that on one side is English, the other side is Spanish. And it asks specific questions: Is this happening to you? Are you finding yourself in this position? Has this occurred? If so, you could be a victim of human trafficking. Call the national human trafficking hotline number. We put that number on there. We put the the uh, texting information on there. And like I said, English one side, Spanish on the other. And so we—it's a boots on the ground, um, grassroots effort to get those packets into the hands of people who are at risk of being trafficked. And that's Done by working in partnership with churches, primarily along the border. And then I'm super proud of a uh, PSA, a public service announcement that we produced. We found that if you go to the internet and you want to learn more about trafficking, you want to learn more about what you can do about it and that kind of thing, there's a ton of information out there. But there was very, very, very little that speaks directly to an individual who is either being trafficked or at risk of being trafficked. And it's mind boggling to think about it, but a very, very, very small percentage of people who are trafficked realize that they're trafficked. They don't self-identify as a victim. And if they don't realize they're a victim, how do they know who to call for help? How do they even know that there are services available? How do they even know who to call or what to do. And so we produce these three-minute PSAs, again, one in English, one in Spanish, and they speak directly to an individual. Is this happening to you? Are your papers being held? Are you working long hours and paid very little? Are you free to leave? Um, All these different questions that it asked over the period of the three questions. And along the bottom, the whole time on the screen it's running the national human trafficking hotline number it's in the easy to remember format 888 3737 888 so we're hopeful that if they watch this for 3 minutes then they will that number will be ingrained in their head and then in their mind and then they can call it if they find themselves in that position and so we have had these put in to churches and um, we're going down here in the next month or so to put them in some of the shelters any place and every place that people gather and they have their there's time that they're sitting that they can just view this TV screen and this is just running in a loop over and over and over so they're hearing it every 3 minutes so that they will be aware of the information so that they will hopefully not find themselves in that position, or if they do, they will know who to call for help.
0: That's incredible. Uh, thank you for that. I, I didn't realize that was a project you guys were working on, but uh, what an impact that has. Um, I, I am still a little confused, um, just because I'm not as informed as you guys are, and so it makes me think that maybe others have the same question what is the difference between trafficking and smuggling? Cause we talk a lot about smuggling people across the border.
1: Um, are the two related are they different? Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a story that will illustrate it perfectly? <laughs> yes. Um, um, so I met Moses, one of our early trips to the border It actually was in the early days of when we were, um, forming and getting off the ground, um, CCHT. Um, And Moses um, paid um, somebody, a coyote is what they call them, to get him across the border. Grass was greener on the other side. He wanted to come here and, um, you know, have a better life. Um, And so he paid somebody and they, you know, attempted to smuggle him across the border. That is smuggling, pure and simple. That is not human trafficking and it will not stand up in any court as human trafficking. Now, if somebody is in that situation and they get raped or they get hurt or whatever, they've had harm happen to them, but they have not been trafficked. Um, In Moses case, he got caught and got sent back. Well, at that point he was scared to death and he said, nope, not gonna do it, not gonna go across again. And he told the people that had smuggled him across, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to go. And they said, yes, you will go. And if you don't, we know where your family is and we will kill them. At that point, it becomes human trafficking because he is being forced against his will. So he said, okay. And he, they attempted a second time. He got caught. They sent him back. Again, he said, I don't want to do this. I'm going to stay in Mexico. They said, no, you will go or we will kill you and we will kill your family. But the third time he got across, he thought, okay, I'm home free. But what people don't understand is the network that exists in all of this. And so the, the folks on the other side of the border in the network picked him up and said, okay, now you owe us $10,000 because we made the attempt two more times. And he said, I don't have $10,000. And so they said, well, where's a family member? And they called a family member and said, if you don't give us $10,000, we're gonna behead your brother. It has entered into full blown trafficking. Um, Moses was found um, three years later, chained up behind a restaurant where he had been forced into various uh, types of labor over the following three years. It started out as smuggling. It ended up human trafficking. And there is an inextricable link between smuggling and trafficking, but in the eyes of the law and the way you can prosecute, they are two completely different things.
0: Is, um, so I guess you met Moses. Is Moses okay
1: today? Where is he now? Oh, well, Cynthia, why don't you tell him where he is now? <laughs> Cynthia and I were there together when we saw him in his glory.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, my goodness. This was such a heartwarming moment. Uh, just a couple months ago, we were down in Laredo handing out a lot of the snack bags that I mentioned earlier. And up comes this food truck and the, the little window slides open. And what do we see? But Moses' smiling face, and it was amazing. He has since uh, gotten his own food truck. It belongs to him. That is how he makes a living now. He is married with children. It is one of the cases, and we don't get to share these very often, but this is a beautiful example of sometimes it has a happy ending. And this is one of the cases that it just absolutely... Exemplifies why we do what we do because mm-hmm. seeing him smile, seeing him happy, seeing him with a family and with a job and and self sufficient was a beautiful thing.
0: Oh, I'm tearing up. That's really that's really amazing. Um, I have one other sort of big uh, question before we move into Cynthia, what you do with CCHT and how people can support you and your work. Um, But I remember years ago, um, I I don't think I was married at the time. My husband and I were, um, I guess my boyfriend at the time, and I were talking about the Super Bowl, and he's a big football fan. And uh, I remember, Mom, you kind of initiated a conversation about how especially at the time of the Super Bowl, human trafficking skyrockets. And at the time, being you know the frustrated daughter who always has to have serious conversations about serious world issues, I, I was frustrated. I just wanted to talk about the Super Bowl. And, um, but that stayed with me. And every year the Super Bowl rolls around and every year I remember that, that, you know, while the rest of the world is celebrating a, a big cultural moment that many, 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 many people are suffering. Can you explain the, what happens at the time of the Super Bowl and how that affects human trafficking?
1: Well, first of all, again, there are misconceptions. Um, it is often um, said that the Super Bowl is the one biggest sex trafficking event um, you know, every year. Well, you really can't say that. We, we don't have the statistics. We don't know that. But this is what we do know. Anytime there is a big event, people are brought in as trafficking victims. Not just sex trafficking, but labor trafficking. Um, there, it, it, it's, it's, it's proven when there's March Madness, um, when here in Houston we have the Offshore Technology Conference, when you have the Super Bowl. Anytime you have a major event where you have a lot of people coming together, men, women, boys, girls, are trafficked to that event um, and it makes sense right you have people who are you know looking for a good time and you need to have the commodity that they're searching for and let's make no mistake in all of these instances uh, humanity is turned into nothing more than a product nothing more than a commodity something that is being sold and it's a question of um, of demand and so you're going to supply so that you can meet the demand. Um, so, yeah, Super Bowl, any type of major event. But again, let's remember it is not just um, sex trafficking that happens around these events. There's also a variety of forms of labor trafficking. You've got to have increased personnel in a lot of industries when you have these kinds of events. Um, I think one of the things, though, that has been most um, eye-opening for me from the time that I began learning about um, human trafficking is when these events are happening. And I've been, the times that I've noted it most has been in downtown Houston um, and in San Antonio, when I've been in San Antonio for a couple of events. Um, And you just notice things. especially where young girls women are concerned that something doesn't look right and doesn't seem right. Um, and at times like, you know, for instance, I have a friend who was in a hotel room. She watched what was taking place in a bar. A young woman comes in. She's scantily dressed. Um, she talks to various men eventually she is in the company of one gentleman in particular another guy comes up talks with the gentleman there's an exchange of money and she's taken back to a hotel room it's it's a clear case of if not human trafficking because we don't know her age uh, a young woman is being exploited now, my friend did the very right thing. Um, she not only made the appropriate calls to hotlines or whatever, uh, but she contacted hotel staff and management to say, hey, I come to your hotel on a regular basis. This is what I saw. The next time she was in that hotel, they had the National Human Trafficking Hotline posted up in numerous places, and there were women working the bar, and, and women were the concierge. So that there was, um, you know, there was no chance that um, there was going to be some payoffs, hopefully. So, um, so yeah, big events bring in business, all kinds of business. I don't know what you might add to that, Cynthia.
2: No, I think you you pretty much covered that. But And I, I think that is an important distinction to make, though, is because we do hear, you know, Super Bowl brings in or is the number one event for human trafficking. And it's it's kind of that misconception that we don't want to not have our eyes and ears just as open at any other time. Any, like Nell mentioned, any major event, any big event that brings in a lot of people from out of town is going to be something where you're going to see instances of human trafficking increase.
0: Well, Cynthia, tell us a little bit more about the coalition, how you got started uh, with the coalition. Can you just speak to your work specifically and what you may need from
2: us? Absolutely. As far as how we came about, this is where I have to give all credit to your mom. <laughs> now really, it was, really, do you <laughs>
0: have to, Cynthia? We always I really do. <laughs> I really do. It
2: was her brainchild um, back when she was seeing what was happening. Uh, We were all in different positions and we were working on anti-trafficking efforts. Everybody was seeing what was going on and knew something needed to be done. And Nell just took the action, put out the emails and said, guys, why don't we just figure out what we can do? I don't know what it's gonna look like, but why don't we just get together and see if we can do something to stop human trafficking, what if we could stop trafficking along what we call our gateway cities uh, along the border before it ever got to our destination cities, the big cities like Houston, San Antonio, Austin, etc.? And so that was back in what, now 2012, 2013. Um, a group. Yeah, got something
1: like that. I don't don't remember.
2: A- and you know, a unanimous commitment was made that absolutely. We are going to do, bring about all the awareness and education we can in order to prevent human trafficking. We're going to make a difference in the state of Texas, and we're going to work to get these numbers down and to keep people from becoming involved in human trafficking before it got to the point of somebody becoming a victim and then having to go through the restoration, the rehabilitation, the reintegration into society after undergoing a her- horrific traumatic time. And that's if individuals were were even rescued because unfortunately many of them do not even make it through the period of being trafficked and so we formed the coalition um, we do a, a variety of work like we said throughout the state of Texas as far as how people can work absolutely donations are are the heart of keeping us um, going we are a 501 C3 um, nonprofit organization. So we do rely heavily on the, the kindness of those who give so that we can continue the work. Um, we always need volunteers, like I mentioned, the the uh, snack bags. We need groups who will collect the items that go in the snack bags, the Vienna sausages, the waters, the, the granola bars, the the uh, peanut butter and crackers and all those kind of things. We need groups that will put the snack bags together. We can get them down to the border, but we have to have somebody put them all together. And so it is a huge help when a church or a group or an organization or um, will all get together and and put assemble those those gift bags or not gift bags, but the snack bags. Um, we put together presentations. There's a a documentary put out by the Texas Attorney General's office it's called be the one it is an excellent video that is not quite an hour long it tells the actual cases of human trafficking both sex and labor that took place here in the state of Texas and it's told by the actual victims it's an excellent video we will show that to your church group to your organization to to whatever, to the general public. We're actually in the midst of working on another one of those. We we do them in colleges and universities. We just finished one at Texas Southern University um, in the last week or so. And so we'll show that documentary so that people can understand exactly what human trafficking looks like here in our state. And then we follow it up with a panel of experts so that we can have a time of question and answering. we typically try and have somebody from law enforcement represented there, maybe somebody from the legal side, other experts in the field, sometimes a survivor, um, and, and sometimes somebody from some of the advocacy groups that work with individuals after they are rescued and that type of thing, so that people can can get their questions addressed. So that's a an excellent opportunity, and we need people that will say, you know what, yes, you can come to 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 this church or you can come to. Um, this location and help us put that all together and and make that happen. Um, Trainings it, it just we'll do the trainings anywhere. We have a human trafficking 101 again we just need people to say yes I'll help you find the locations we're getting ready to do one here in the next month where one of our volunteers said I'll do the legwork. I'll go out and I'll find the location for you and I'll help you get all that put together that is a huge help. Um, And then individuals that just have time to share their gift, if they're a grant writer or they're good with social media outreach or producing videos or they're a graphics artist or something like that, where they can help us with some of our literature and that kind of thing. We always need translators that can help us translate some of the materials because we are statewide. We do need a lot of our or all of our materials in both. Um, Spanish and English, so there really is, is an unlimited number of ways that people can volunteer and and help our organization so that we can continue the work that we do.
0: And Cynthia, where where can we find you? What's the website? Are you on social media? Um, just point us in the direction of CCHT, and so that we can we can act on all of these uh,
2: opportunities. Absolutely, our website is CCHT tx.com that's coalition to combat human trafficking in texas so c c h t t and then we are on facebook we're on instagram as well you can just put the coalition to combat human trafficking tx underscore tx c c h t -t underscore tx
0: well we'll include all of this in the show notes so people can can link to you uh quickly and easily perfect uh, Mom, is there anything that you wanted to um, say about Cynthia or the coalition, just uh, words of encouragement or to speak to the impact that they have had and continue to have?
1: I would say that Cynthia said something right at the beginning that is really important. None of us can do this by ourselves. Uh, we, we all have visions. We all have hopes. We all have dreams. Um, but there are very, very few of us that have everything at our fingertips, that we could just pull something like that off by ourselves. Without partnership, um, without collaboration, the job is not going to get done. And so that is vitally important. But Cynthia also mentioned this word that for me, um, it is the way we will end human trafficking, and that is grassroots. We can have all the laws. We can have um, all of the organizations, we can have all of the teaching, we can do all of that. But if the average citizen does not begin to look and be aware, and then make the appropriate phone calls or contacts, we're not going to end this. And so, um, you know, to to be as the documentary says, be the one to see something and say something. For this to be grassroots and for us to be partners I think is absolutely critical to um, ending human trafficking in our lifetime. The
0: off-ramp wants to help people, help those who are forcibly displaced. We often talk about asylum seekers and refugees and immigrants. Perhaps those who are trafficked don't initially come to mind when you think of those who are forcibly displaced can you speak to why this is a really critical part of the group of people that we're trying to help within the off-ramp
1: the off-ramp is not only people who are displaced but people who are at risk for displacement so not only are trafficking victims displaced you might be trafficked, you might be a native of Houston uh, Texas, and you might be trafficked in our city, um, but you are displaced in that you are taken out of the place of security and comfort, and you are moved into a place of of threat and harm and um, the real serious threat then of geographical displacement because just because you're here and you're in Houston right now doesn't mean your trafficker won't take you someplace else. Also, the link between asylum seekers, refugees, and immigrants. Anyone who is displaced is at risk for becoming a trafficking victim. You are more vulnerable. Um, So the the reason we say um, asylum seekers, refugees, immigrants, um, and victims of human trafficking is because all four of those groups of people, not only are not in their place of security and home and uh, their place of origin, but they are either at risk for being removed from that or they already have been removed from it.
0: Well, as we end this conversation, um, my tendency is to ask the people I'm interviewing where the hope is. But I actually have the answer this time, because for me in this conversation, you two are the hope, the fact that you dedicate your lives and much of your free time even uh, to helping those who are in danger of being trafficked or already trafficked. You both are so passionate for this, um, about this issue. And this conversation has only touched the surface of the impact that you both have had and i want to speak to that because someone who's never met you and knows nothing of your work will hear this conversation and be impressed but this scratches the surface barely of what the two of you have accomplished and the awareness that you've raised and the people that you've helped so i don't need to ask where the hope is because the fact that you two are leading the charge is what makes me hope filled and so i am so grateful for both of you for the work that you do cynthia thank you for being our guest we will absolutely have you back to talk about many other things um, and to touch base with the coalition and how things are going we'll list all of the links and updates in the show notes so that people can support you please donate Um, if you can't donate volunteer but the importance of unrestricted funds can't be overstated when it comes to this kind of work. So if you are able to even donate a small amount, please do so. And um, just thank you for being here tonight and for talking with me. Thanks for listening to the Off podcast. If you were inspired to act during this conversation, you can find us and learn more at theofframp.org or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Helplessness and hopelessness do not have to define your future or the world's. Become a change maker today.